Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our scenario is entitled Homecoming. It was written by Thomas McKeon, who is also our game master. And this is episode 17, and Thomas is going to do the recap. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Thomas? You're listening to NBC Red, and now our evening program. Coming to you live from the Rockefeller Center in the heart of New York City, it's The Adventures of Dexter Fowler, starring Corey Heisman, Jeff Wilkins, Tom Rayleigh, Mick Swan, Ken Trent, and Wayne Worthy. Tonight's episode, Homecoming, episode 17, and now for the recap. Last week, our daring heroes awoke to horrible dreams early in the morning after their encounter with the elusive figure under the bridge. They shared their experiences of shock and terror, discovering that Hawk's dream may have not been a dream at all. If his memory is to be believed, Hawk has, was visited by a strange figure who told him that she was from the future. The woman then gave Hawk an address and a time for tomorrow morning, pleading him to stop whatever dastardly deeds that have yet to occur. Before the game... Before the gang can actually get any sizzling sausages or buttered biscuits from room service, they receive a call. Guy Jules, head of the New York Arcane Society, or what's left of it, calls the players. There's been a robbery. Our investigators enter the scene, suspicious as always. They split up, some going inside to take a closer look, others questioning witnesses. What they find inside is the vault, which holds the New York Arcane Society's most guarded treasures. Whoever attempted to break in, who, according to police, used sophisticated explosives to get inside, wanted inside that room. But Kaus, the Arcane Society's collector, saw to it that the vault would be near impenetrable without his keys. Inside the vault, Hawk and Thompson discovered a handful of concrete slabs, which actually contained the Society's most dangerous artifacts. Meanwhile, outside, the rest of the team met with the witnesses. The woman who saw the break-in, a man who lived down the street and saw the getaway and an older Italian man, who then led the group to where? Why, the getaway vehicle itself, parked in a nearby parking lot. Upon investigation, the heroes determined that this vehicle was stolen, and left here while the crooks took the rails of the subway for escape. And who were these daring villains? Why, none other than the dastardly Germans, whose outfits matched the description the witnesses gave of the robbers. But why were they trying to break into the arcane society? And what secrets were they attempting to steal? Better yet, what will they do next? Flash forward to Denny's, where as Hawk finishes 16 pancakes in one sitting, everyone else is reading the headlines. Murder. Murder victim's body missing. According to the local papers, the body of Mr. Harrison Giles, formerly an employee of the, uh, of the city planner's office, has been found missing, with no sign of ent anyone entering the building and no signs of where they went except for a blood trail. But one thing comes to Tommy Anderson, plucky law student of Miskatonic University. Dead men don't bleed. Leaving the reputable and not-at-all-trashy Denny's, the group heads to interrogate Mr. Fulton, handsome Rockefeller-type billionaire seen asking about Tally Darby at the time of both her and Timothy Tucker's disappearance. However, the pancakes seem to catch up with Hawk, who vomits blood and cockroaches onto the sidewalk mirroring Professor Henry Thompson's dreams from last night. Hawk and Fowler are decided to be the ones who speak with Fulton, and so, in his office, they begin asking questions. 
Fulton answers to the best of his abilities, or so he says. He claims at the time of both Timothy and Tally's disappearance, he was in Pittsburgh, offering several sources as an alibi. He also sinisterly references Timothy's disappearance, along with Harrison Giles' murder, and now the disappearance of William Converse. And as for the Arcane Society, Fulton has hopes that the property will soon become available so that he can purchase the land and bulldoze it. Coincidence, coincidence those super interesting zoning codes were changed, forcing the Arcane Society out of New York? Or have the players begun stumbling into danger, mystery, and horror? Find out tonight on this episode of The Adventures of Dexter Fowler! All right. So, um, we're going to just immediately start with everyone else. So... Tommy, Felix, Henry, and William standing on the sidewalk. The doors open. Out comes Hawk and Fowler. Wow. Yeah. Well, he definitely knows stuff, but uh, he's, of course, got himself an ironclad alibi. <laughs> yes, he does. Quite honestly, he practically thrust the alibi in our hands because he'd so obviously prepared it ahead of time and didn't want us to walk away without taking what he was giving us. As like I don't I don't like the man he seems a little bit Well, we now all have targets on our heads, so we've got to figure out how to get this guy, implicate him, find out where Timothy is. Oh, so, and I guess our next big step is to follow our dreams and be ready at uh, this address here at this particular time tomorrow morning early. What do y'all want to do until then? Some other which, which, which address are you, are you referring to? The, the one, one that, that the woman in my dream gave me. Yes, the woman in the dream gave Hawk an address uh, for a location in Red Hook by the, by the docks. Okay. And we're supposed to be there at what time? 4.27 a.m. What time is it now? I would say because you just left the Denny's and you just did this, so I'm going to say it's probably around one or two. You just had lunch and you just did. You walked down to the or, uh, lunch or, or like a very early breakfast because I thought it was the middle of the night. No, um, we went was, to the. It was morning uh, when you guys all woke up. Uh, it was about five o'clock. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was mistaken. I thought because I thought because of. Um, the woman walking her her kid in a stroller it, it seemed kind of strange for her to do that in the middle of the night like uh two or well, three she had I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in the i think she did her like morning very early her, morning she her she morning walk her her excuse was that her kid was crying and it was just the way that she got into quiet day. right i mean if it, if it was like daytime morning then that wouldn't be so strange i thought it was middle of the night morning like oh uh, it was around it was it was around five o'clock when this happened i'm gonna say that you guys kind of woke up at like 5 20 the sun had not come up but it was morning okay then we went to then we had some breakfast where we right. had right. Then we went to the, so we'll yeah. say so we'll say now it's about 
11 or 12. How about that? All right. So you guys have plenty of time. So do you what? want to go by this Red Hook address and, and stake it, scope it out before we go back? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, places like that, they're tight-knit communities, you know. You, you, you walk in there as an outsider and, and everyone's going to know you've been there. I would, I would actually wait till, you know, wait till the morning because, you know, I don't want to be, you know, spotting early, you know, today. And then, oh, what were you guys doing here for? Like... You two are detectives, so you should have uh, free reign to walk about anywhere you want without people questioning you. Well, I, I, I'm not even talking about walking about. I would just like to see what the location looks like before we travel there at four in the morning. Never used. <clears throat> no, we don't have to even get out and walk around. Just drive by. Do, do I know the area, Thomas? Like... You and Felix would know the area, um, not particularly well. I don't imagine you guys kind of go to Red Hook. Red Hook is kind of like the heart of New York and New Jersey's port system. It's, it's right in the bay, so they can go up the East River or the Hudson. They can go down into the Atlantic. Like, it's right on the bay, so it's a prime spot. Like, that's, that's basically the port of New York and New Jersey. Okay. So just to clarify then, we don't have any leads that came about from talking with Fulton? Hmm. He is really, uh, if, if he's involved, he's, he's managed to put up a screen of, uh, of alibis to make sure that he's nowhere near what happens when it happens. Of course, a man like that doesn't have to actually do anything himself. Um, there is one thing. Um, well, two things, I guess. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, the first thing I want to just remind Tom and Corey that they have. The other one is something that they saw. It's really the only other notable thing that they saw in the office. Um, so the first thing I want to remind Tom and Corey that they have is you have uh, Fulton's ring. Do you remember he gave it to you? He was like, nah, it's expensive. You have it when this is all said and done. And I'm completely, my name is completely cleared. You can bring it back to me because I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm that rich. Have a ring. Um, the second thing I want to bring up to Tom and Corey is in Fulton's office. He was a very, it was very obvious that he was a very proud and prominent Mason. Oh, yeah, he's a Mason. Yeah, there was actually like a Mason Lodge in, uh, in uh, New York. And he actually also mentioned that the person who made the ring he gave you was a Mason. He's, uh, one of my Mason buddies made this. Here, take it. It's very personal to me. Well, let's take a look at this ring. Um, Before we do that, I just want to mention real quick that according to my notes, uh, I pull out a little, little tablet, little pad. Uh, we also have two other clues. Well, I mean, sorry, we already talked about the dream address. So we have that. And then we also have another clue for the Black Horse Tavern. Yes. 
So that those are, I think, are there are only two actual pending clues, except unless we now include the ring and the Freemason account. What's the Black Horse Tavern? The Black Horse Tavern was um, it was on a matchbook that Fowler found in the car, the broken-in car at the uh, oh at the, at the Arcane Society. Um, the Black Horse Tavern is a very seedy bar. Um, sailors and criminals tend to go there. It only opens at midnight, however. Uh, it get it, they basically open when the day shift for the docks ends. Hmm. All right. Well, what do y'all want to do? Uh, let's just take a look at this ring, and I pull the ring out. Why he insisted on giving it to me, I have no idea. It's just a basic brass ring. It's actually crudely made, too. This was made by his friends, the Masons, some well, some friend of his. Yeah, some friend of... Um, go ahead, uh, Jeff. I, I just wanted to clarify, you had also given us a couple clues that while he was displaying a lot of this Freemason stuff, he also had the ring on the wrong finger, which made us yes. seem as though he might be putting on an act, but we're unclear. That is correct. He was wearing his mason ring on the wrong finger. Which is really weird. But well, he's definitely putting on an act. It's just, why? I mean, we, unless we, we somehow, um, if, if we don't find anything else, perhaps somebody can stay back and uh, shadow him throughout the day to see where he goes. Well, he's he also... If he's not wearing his, his mason ring on the correct finger, then, and he's trying to pretend to be a mason, he's doing an incredibly bad job of it. Hmm. I mean, any mason would say, hey, that's on the wrong finger. Then again, I mean, the whole group is full of secrets, so do any of us really know? If well, I think if, it, if he has on the wrong f finger, a real mason would... Um, not just only bring it to his attention, but probably to the attention of his, uh, his uh, what do they call it, lodge? Sure. Yeah. Lodge meets and say- it's called lodge. Yeah. I, I guess what I meant more was maybe it's got an alternative meaning. Like, you know, you fly, you fly yeah. the flag one way, and then if you're in trouble, you turn it upside down. So they are full of- Yeah. Um, just a thought, I don't know. But, well, knowing that he's associated with the Masons, That becomes problematic. They're, uh, they are a somewhat secretive group. You can't just walk up to the Mason Lodge and say, hey, I'd like to do some investigating about this member of yours. They, they would absolutely turn you right. away because they're a secret group. Uh, in fact, uh, well, I'm not, that, that's not true, but I, I was going to say they don't. They don't even uh, they don't even disclose all of their members, but um, you can be a secret mason. I just, I just don't get why he would even give you this ring. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he was trying very hard to assure me that he had nothing at all to do with with these things. In fact, there were a few 
a few moments when I was pretty sure he was going to let out, say things that he couldn't, he wouldn't have known unless he was involved. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, Tom, can I, can I roll a, um, a psychology on this um, to see if this is some sort of like reverse psychology, maybe he's doing this to maybe shield someone else. Because to me, it's like, if a group of cops or, or detectives come up to me and they're asking me a bunch of questions, yes, I'm gonna let them know that, yeah, I have an alibi and I'll, I'll um, tell them what they want, but I'm not gonna completely offer everything up to them and say, oh, and by the way, why don't you check here and check there and this, that, and the other. If they ask me, where was I on this particular night, I'll say I was here and I have an alibi here and I was doing this rather than just say, oh, and by the way, I was in New York and you can talk to this person. And oh, and by the way, you know what I mean? It's, it yeah. seems too convenient to me. So I would like to see if this guy is just really pulling one over on us or if um, he's just, I haven't actually met him, so I wouldn't know if. Um, yeah, it's hard if to do a psychology uh, role on somebody you've not actually seen. Yeah. Right. But I will say that you don't even need to roll to do this. If he really did that, if he did do something, he's so, he, he's acting so cocky that he's he's like, I can I could get away with this. You've got nothing on me other than. Okay. You know. Yeah, that's why I was trying to determine whether yeah, no. he's being stupid or whether or not he's just like being cocky or. Well, I, I think well, he, if he's gotten up into this position, he's pretty smart. He's. he's cock he's cocky but he has the you know he's cleverly put his alibi yeah, into place he's cleverly cocky I don't know if that's a which if we can prove it that makes it premeditated <laughs> yes if you can if you can prove his involvement then it would be premeditation um but from what from what you gathered just because just from asking him oh you know did you did you talk to Tally? Did you know anything about it? He was just like, eh, I was over here. Like I, you know, there's nothing connecting us. So, uh, on the very fact that he completely denied knowing Tally, and yet he was looking for her at her front at 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 Timothy's place. Come on, dude, that's that's the weakest of lies. Yeah. Um. So what do we do? Um. Any suggestions? I don't think we have a choice, really. Um, I will say, I'm reading through my notes again. I look at my notepad. Uh, Mr. Hawk, I think you told me this when you first came down. Uh, you had overheard a phone call to a person named Reggie, and there was a code of some sort mentioned. I don't know if we can figure out what that is. Uh, do you have the code or do you want me to read it off to you? I, I got it here. Do you want me to read it? Just read it just to make sure. NYC-SFC-1991-901. That is correct. Does that, uh, I mean, NYC, clearly New York City. SFC, San Francisco? San Francisco. But the, the numbers are kind of throwing me, except 
my first. Maybe they're GPS coordinates. Yeah, nobody would know those. Yeah, we don't know what GPS is. What well, is I should say not GPS, but the you know, longitude uh, latitude. They're not, they're latitude. Not, they're, it's yeah. not. It's not enough numbers. Yeah, it's not. It's not coordinates. I was the first thing that jumped into my mind was um, the the period nine oh one. It reminds me of a library book. What do you call it? The Dewey Decimal System? I don't know. Dewey Decimal System. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. What were the numbers on the end again? Nine zero one. No, there were more numbers than that, weren't there? Oh, uh, it's one nine nine one dot nine zero one. Do you have any librarian people here? That I mean, I could roll too, but. Well, the Dewey um, Decimal's only got three digits, and then, and then digits after that. Um, but New York to San Francisco, could this be a flight number or a train number? Or doesn't a, I was go, I was going to go with train? Um, could it be time? Nineteen. Well, nineteen ninety one is not a time, so. But it could be a train number, like a yeah. It's not yeah, a it's, it's not money. Yeah, we, we we could. I mean, during our our walkabouts today, we could stop at the train station to see if there is an actual train with that number from New York to San Francisco. Well, how about this, Thomas? Um, Dexter and Felix live here. They've probably taken the train. They would probably be familiar at least with the style of numbers that trains have. Would they Would they say this doesn't look like any train number that they've ever seen? Well, what I can tell you about train numbers, especially on like a ticket, is usually, because um, trains stop, is usually it would be numbered as you know here's the starting destination then the next then first stop second stop third stop blah, 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 and then des end destination if this were a train it would mean the train goes directly from new york to san francisco or the other way around so a train see this being a train number seems a little unlikely okay because a train would make multiple stops, therefore would have multiple numbers, NYC to uh, to Pittsburgh, and then right. Pittsburgh to this, and then the blah, 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 blah. Well, we've already got some references in our clues to the dock area. Could it be a ship number? You know, a ship going from uh, from New York City to San Francisco. That might actually be a better idea. Could it be? Actually, a good question would be, is the Panama Canal exist at this point? Um, I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, that's going to be a long trip. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Roosevelt made it. Let me see. I'm pretty sure it was built when Roosevelt was president, and Roosevelt was president in... Yes, it is, it is definitely open. It's been open for like 20 years. Okay. So it could be maybe a ship going, although that's usually got a name associated, not a number. Well, uh, uh, unless it's a red herring and SFC stands for something other than San Francisco. 
SSF, you mean, yeah. Hawk, look at your chat. Okay, I suddenly I suddenly fall over onto the ground. Oh. Are you okay, Hawk? Something wrong. On the sidewalk. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start backing away because I'm very concerned that he's about to vomit blood again. Uh, I. I kind of. I kind of. You know. Say, hey, I. I pull my shirt up where my my gunshot wound is. Uh, doing so reveals. Uh, the, the gauze on uh, on your abdomen, and you can see blood begins to kind of seep into it. Looks like I, it's reopened. I like, you know, go and I like, you know, try and, you know, put pressure on. That's, that's, um, <clears throat> don't, don't push on it. Something's it doesn't, wrong. It doesn't look, um, it doesn't look deadly. It looks like a, a, a very small. Is it like just oozing? It's just oozing, it looks like. Well, let me pull up the gauze and get a better look at it. Okay. Sorry, sorry <laughs> Felix, look away. I've just failed my constitution rule. Okay. Okay, so Felix, you don't vomit. You just kind of like, oh, <laughs> onto a lamppost. Boy, they! So I, I, I pull the gauze back. Okay. Dexter, do you have a first aid kit in your, your car? <sighs> Uh, I should have first aid kit in my car. Let me quickly uh, go grab it. All right. Well, while, while you're doing that, we're going to move towards your car anyway. Henry, I'll, I'll give Henry, you a hand. Henry, Henry, you're way closer to a doctor than Fowler is. I, don't I know, but I don't. <laughs> I know, but I don't. I'm not carrying a, uh, a, a med kit or anything or a first aid kit. He yes, comes kit. back with it. Help uh, me. Uh, let me remind, I like run. Yeah, let me remind you, Fowler, that the car is still at the Denny's because you walked to the skyscraper. It's only a couple blocks. You're fine. Um, but you begin okay. kind of booking it. Um, I'm going to try to move on to a bench or something so that I can sit up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a bench a little ways down. Um, and... Uh, when you can see because you've lifted up your shirt, people are kind of like stop. It's it's New York City and at twelve a.m. or twelve p.m. Like people are like looking at you like, what the fuck are you doing? And they, they just kind of glance at you and they just walk by. Really, in New York City? <laughs> I would think. Well, well, when you when you go like this and just reveal an open wound and blood, people are like, okay, whatever. And then they kind of just like look at you and then continue walking. They don't stop to help you, but they just keep walking. So I I sit down and I've I've. Pull back the gauze, and I'm looking at the wound. Okay. Um, Henry, where are you? Are you standing right in front of Hawk? No. I'm, no, with, no. I'm with Hawk. Oh, Henry is, yeah. Okay. And then Billy's Tommy? Yeah, I don't really want to see this either, so I'm just sort of uh, attending to Felix. Okay. You're attending to Felix. I'm, so I've, I've positioned myself at what I just instinctively take to be the limit of projectile vomiting range. All right. Um, so I'm going to estimate at about five feet. My friends. <laughs> uh, Henry. Yeah. I, I can't stand the sight of blood. It's, it's a medical condition. I understand, Felix. Stay over there. So Hawk and Henry are the only ones to see this. When Hawk pulls back the gauze, you can see that the wound, it's not, I mean, 
it's it's still a wound, like it's still healing. It's staving off infection. It's fighting off. It's it's healing rather nicely. However, in the wound itself, crawling out of a small gap. Tell me, it's maggots. It's a cockroach, and it, it it's it it's pushing itself out of the wound, and eventually it kind of wriggles itself loose and it plops on the ground, blood kind of spotting everywhere, and then it just crawls away. Oh, no, I'm going to stomp on it before it gets away. You, you stomp on it. It's, I mean, it kind of twitches, but it's dead. It's not going anywhere. Damn, things get into everything, don't they? Wow, that wound doesn't seem as clean as, as we last thought. I don't know how I passed my sanity roll. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Damn it, bugs. I hate New York. I smell a malpractice suit. Yep, it does smell like a malpractice suit. I got a 48 out of 50, so I'm good. Because you passed that and you're in a good state of mind, I'm going to send this to you, Henry. Give me a sec. I am going to pull out my flask, which has a fairly high-proof alcohol in it. And you're going to pour it on the wound? And I'm going to pour it Smart. on the wound. Smart idea. Okay. It, it, it burns, but... You know, it's okay. Because uh, who knows I, where that cockroach has been? <laughs> uh, I did send you a message. It's very simple. It's been inside your wound. Yeah, it, it, it looked as if, uh, Henry, it was pushing itself out of the wound. That, that it, create, it, it split and popped out. Yeah. What did I ever do to deserve this? By the way, I'm going to bring the car oh. back. <laughs> that's, that's from uh, healthy eating. And by healthy eating, I mean eating 16 pancakes in a row. Do you think those pancakes had cockroaches in them? Shit. Um, yeah, so the car has pulled up. Uh, uh, not Felix. Uh, Fowler, it's very easy to, to apply new gauze and... Uh, and so it's fine. Um, Pac, you know, I mean, you may need to go to the hospital to get him a new shirt, but or not the hospital, the uh, hotel to get him a new shirt. Well, you might want to go to the hospital to get the cockroaches out of me. Yeah, and, and to get stitched back up. <clears throat> <sighs> well, that should only take an hour or two. We've got plenty of time before the morning. So I think I'm going to go back and go to the emergency room, whatever. Okay. That will that'll be relatively simple. Yeah, they stitch you back up. They're like, oh, we don't have any idea why there's a cockroach inside of you. Why would there be a cockroach inside of you? I don't know. Um, but but I organs. But I vomited and there were cockroaches and I suddenly a cockroach climbed out of my Did you like give me an x ray or something? Did they, um, did they have x rays back then? I don't believe they had x rays. I wanna say that's a that's a forties thing. Um Maybe. Let's find out. You find out. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait in the corridor. I mean, I don't mind coming along for moral moral support, but Um, I'm just going to sit down in the corridor. We will say... They should have had x-rays back then. I'm thinking because... um, What's her name? Um, uh, Bloody hell. Marie Curie. I was... No, Marie Curie. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about her, though. I was thinking oh, about Rosalind. Rosalind Franklin. Ah. 
the one who discovered the, the actual structure of DNA. <clears throat> she got cervical cancer from doing that. And she had her research stolen, this bastard's. Um, I've got it right here. In 1914, Ma Marie Curie developed radiology cars to support soldiers and blah, 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 blah. From the 1920s through the 1950s, x-ray machines were developed to assist in the fittings of shoes and medical help. Yep. All right. So, shoes? Yeah. Yeah. It says right here. Assisted, yeah. Assist in the, in the fitting of shoes and were sold uh, and were used to sell commercial shoes. They were used in commercial shoe stores at the time, as well as medical practices. Well, can we assume that New York Hospital, or whatever it is, has an x-ray machine? Yes, yeah, so Mount Sinai would have an x-ray. Mercy Hospital would have it. Um, I'm going to demand it because there are cockroaches coming out of me. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay. They look and there's nothing. I'm going to ask for a prescription for medicinal alcohol because I know that cockroaches don't like alcohol. <laughs> They'll give you some 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 medicine, but not uh, just some pain pills. That's something to dull the the pain of the wound. I don't care about the fucking pain. What am I, a baby? So that took about an hour. It was pretty simple. They just restitched him. Um, he probably needed stitches redone anyways. Um, what would you guys like to do now? It's about um, 12, 1 o'clock. Well, I want to stay clear away from uh, Roach Man. So if we're in the same car, we'll have him sit up front, nice and comfortable. Okay. And um, I'm going to sit on the, uh, the uh, driver's side in the back. So I'm far away from from him. All I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to sit on the opposite side of the back um, with, with my window wound down so that so, I've got the fresh air hitting me in the face. So, um, we're going to assume that the, that the going at 427 is kind of like the priority. Um, right. Where would you like to, would, uh, do you just want to wait at the hotel and then head out? Or do you want to? I'm going to try and get some sleep, some rest. Uh, but I've got, uh, I don't know if they did, the concierge does a wake-up call at 3 in the morning. Uh, it's 24 hours, and it's a nice suite. You guys got the best suites in the hotel, so. All right. All right. Um, how um, about everybody else? What's everyone else doing? I'm, I'm going to wash my hands several times. Okay. Uh, what about Henry and Fowler and Tommy? Henry, you're not a medical doctor, right? No. <clears throat> not at all. I'm not a doctor. I'm a professor of archaeology and anthropology. I don't understand why people think I'm a medical doctor. Because you got doctor in front of your name. Yes, because I've got my PhD. And I just had another thought, but I, it's far-fetched. Uh, we could head to the morgue to see if we could find anything more about the mysterious corpse that seemed to walk away. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> are, are you okay, Felix? 
Like this, it just, it all, it, all, it, all, it all comes at once, doesn't it? I mean, there's not, you know, you don't just get a little spot of blood here and there. It all has to come at once, doesn't it? From every angle. Well, corpses don't bleed anymore. <clears throat> this one did. Well, then it wasn't a corpse. Well, did, or did it? Or did someone who just wasn't, uh, aware of how um, old the corpse had been or just didn't think it through, get some blood and just leave that there as a deliberate trail to mislead people. <clears throat> well, or maybe they accidentally cut themselves and then they bled. I'm going to say, since, yeah. since, since two of the group have said they're going back to the hotel, they're going to do stuff, that you all are kind of talking about this as you're walking down the hall. Okay. Uh, we will. I know that you guys want to do other stuff, but you're walking down the hallway to the hotel. Hawk has the room key. Turns the knob, and let me pull up my notes very quickly. I've got things in front of it. Where is it? Thread C. Go down. Click that. Okay. So, Hawk turns the key, and he pushes the door open. And your room is in complete disarray. It looks like a tornado came through and destroyed your, all the doors are open, the win, all the windows are open, drapes are on the ground, your, your guys' clothes has been thrown everywhere, all over the living rooms of the suite. Um, in the very center of the living room, the, all, I'm talking, all of the furniture has been moved into the center of the room and is stacked so precisely that everything's balancing on itself. Chairs, the mattress, the sofa, there's a vase at the very top. So if, if I understand our room layout, it's basically a That's, suite. Uh, it's like a suite and a common area and then there's rooms and we're in the rooms. Yes. So all of our doors have been open, all of our stuff's been pulled out and thrown around. and Yes, and it's all over, all the not, windows are not open. just the common room. Not just the cover, everything. everything. What, as you guys step inside, um, you can see that all over the walls is black ink. Uh -huh. Near near the pile, near the, the pile of the stacked furniture are basically every pen that you may have had in your pocket or had like or the hotel had sitting over here. And they've been snapped and ink pools on the ground. And someone has taken that ink and drawn arrows all over the wall. And when you look around, you can see that these arrows, they point and they, 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 they stretch out and they point to the air vents. There are also very intricate patterns painted all over the walls. Um, Squares with circles inside of them, four circles in a bunch, lines connecting the groups, uh, all of this. Uh, the arrows, they seem to be stemming from Hawk's room. And they're all going to the air vent? Yep. They're, 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 well, there's a vent in every single room. And if you were to follow the arrows and where they point, they, they, they run across the wall of the, of the hotel room, the suite, and then they point at the air vents. So the arrows start in Hawk's room and they all go throughout and point at the various air well, vents. Well, I go, I go look in my room. Hawk, when you go in your room, um, 
everything, if you were going to any of your rooms, the, the mattresses ripped open, the sheets like hang from the ceiling fans, uh, drapes are, are all over. Um, any toiletries that you had has been pulled out and ripped up, toothpaste sprayed everywhere. Um, Question. Yes, sir. When I look at this, does it look like a person came in here using a knife and tore it open, or does it look like something supernatural has done all of this? Well, you already um, said everything's stacked up. Yeah. That's, I mean, in, in, in Henry and, uh, and Hawk's time, you've heard of poltergeists setting things up or ghosts and stuff like that. So you could say that. It doesn't look like anyone's broken in. However, Hawk, this will, this will let you know what's going on. Everything's been pushed out of the center of your room, Hawk, and in the center is on a Spuckleton Colton. Open, and the arrows stem from it. They, go, they line the, the floors, and then they go up the walls. Are, it, are, are they written in the book? Uh, no, around the book. They just they, they they start at the the book is the epicenter and they kind of project out. Well, as I go in, I is the book open or closed? It's open. Okay, I go in, and I I I look down at which pages is open. Um. And I uh, I close the book, and I set it wherever there's a spot to set it. When you close the book, the book then immediately flips back open and it flips and it, the page that it was on was um, a, a double paged uh, drawing or rendition of some kind of beast. It looks like it's got the, like the face of a donkey. It's on hind legs, human arms. It's, rend, it's rending a man uh, apart and like face up. It's like bathing in the blood. Okay. Does it say anything in German that I can read? Um, yes, it reads the beast. El Bisto. <laughs> El Bisto. What is everyone else doing? Hawk is in his room. What's everyone else doing? Um, I'm looking around. Um, you said there's ink on the walls? Yep, there's ink all over the walls. But it's all pointing up to the vent. Yeah. And every room kind of like go all the way across the wall and then they curve up and they point at the air vents. Okay. I will go to the air vent and try and get the air vent off. Like the lid off of the event. Okay. So Fowler is getting uh, is is going to find something to kind of stand himself on, like a countertop or something like that, to get to the vent. What's everyone else doing? Can I look closely at the ink? Um, I'm curious, like how it was drawn. Would I be able to see if there's a fingerprint, like if somebody smudged it with their finger to draw the arrows? Yes. Do you have biology? I do. 
Not a lot, but I do. Yeah, made it. 30 out of 40. It wasn't a human finger. Mm-hmm. It was a cockroaches. It's like a long, spindly finger. One long finger running up along. And you can see the point of where like the fingertip would be, and it's very pointed. Like 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 uh like the legs of a cockroach. A yeah. giant cockroach. Yeah. Ah New York City. Cockroaches that can read and write. Wow. Um, Henry and Felix, what are you doing? I am supervising. Okay. Making, making sure that Felix doesn't fall and, and you know, split his head. But this, this, um, this stuff that's piled up in the middle of the room. Yes. Um, does it look like it's been conventionally balanced? And there's, are there any parts of it that look like they perhaps shouldn't balance? Or does it look like it's just been legitimately stacked up? Let me say it like... With the laws of physics. Let me just, let me say it like this. If you were to move even the slightest piece, this entire thing would come crumbling down. Hmm. How heavy are the things on the top? Um, what's being balanced at the top is the sofa, and then on the very top is the vase. Hmm. You know, to me, that, that looks awfully like someone's done that to, uh, to make a point. Um. Go ahead. What's what sort of point? Well, it's it's um. They could have just thrown the furniture about, or ripped the furniture to pieces, like they did with our personal belongings. So why did they neatly pile all this up instead of ripping it up and going through it? Um. At the very least, that indicates that they knew that what they were looking for is something um, that we've got hold of quite recently, or at least recently enough that we wouldn't have had time to stash it in the furniture or something. I will also say this simply just because you guys have been doing this investigating thing for a little while. Doesn't look like anyone searched the room. They just trashed the room. Uh, also, it, it, I mean, I can't say that there was more. I can't say there was more than one person or just one person, but there had to have been multiple. If to do this, there would have been, had to have been multiple people holding things while another person like put things on top. It would have been incredibly difficult. Are, um, are, are there any footprints in the carpeting? No, but you're looking for footprints. Okay, give me body marks as if something was walking around the room. Uh, give me a spot hidden. 
Uh, 09. Um, you're walking around, you're, you're taking a look. You've, you've moved it from your room into the, the living room and then moved into the, uh, the kitchen. Um, and you can see that everything that was in the kitchen has been thrown around. I imagine you had food in there. You had to have been eating something, not eating out every single night. In the flour, you see a single pair of footprints and they are perfect circles. That's weird. And that is when Fowler pops open the vent, opens it. And Fowler, when you look inside, it, this takes about three, two to three seconds. Immediately, a swarm of cockroaches begins streaming out of the vent, piling onto you. And that's when, if you guys, if Fowler screams and you guys look around, from the vents where the arrows are pointing, cockroaches are coming through the grating and pouring onto the ground. And they're not moving around. They're, roll, they're coming right at you. Could, is there any way, as soon as I see that coming, is there I could push it or is it, or is it just too heavy for me to push? Um, I mean, it's like, it's like a small air vent. So you just kind of pull it out and you move it to the side and they just, if you were to, they, they're crawling all over you, putting it back in, it stops the stream, but it doesn't stop them from coming out. And it looks like they're, they're running, they're like scurrying towards the nearest person to them. Um, uh, I'm, I'm heading out the door. Okay. Uh, right. I'm in front of him. Thomas, are you getting the messages I'm sending you? I am. Okay. Um, that first message that you sent me, uh, moving to any other page, results in it immediately going back to the page. All right. Ah! Well, I felt my sanity roll, so I stopped um, supervising, and I decided to leave for the day. Okay. I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going on a coffee break. Uh, how much sanity would I lose, though? Um, we'll just say that you lose one. Okay. Um, I so, I passed my sanity too. So. Right. so you get them all off there, but you can feel them because they got little tiny mouths. You can feel them kind of like nipping at you. Uh, but, but you 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 get out and you're in you're in the hallway. How, and then I'm assuming that Tommy and Felix also join you in the hallway. Um, yes. Once you're out of the room. They, you close the door. Um, first thing I'd like is for Fowler, Tommy, Felix, and Henry to get the spot hittens. Uh, failed. I'm not impressed with the quality of this hotel. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to com complain to the concierge. Uh, pass, standard pass. I, I fail. Yes. Uh, Felix and Tommy, you, you see that Hawk is firmly gripping the book. Oh my god. My mouth is dry. I can't pronounce it all the way. It's Spreklican Lenkoten. Yes, there we go. I Spreklican Lenkoten. Anyways, but he's holding it. He's gripping it very tightly. Um, 
in the seconds after you've closed the door, a very large wave of cockroaches are trying to get under the door, kind of scurrying at the carpet, trying to push their way underneath. Do we need to get the janitor? Um, actually, coming down the hallway, if you were to look, you see there is a bellboy. And he's got uh, a letter in his hand. Bellboy. Uh, and he says, yes, sir. Uh, building has a roach problem, and I point at the door. And he says, oh, my God. Um, I'll let the front desk know. We'll, uh, we'll have this taken care of. Uh, and, he, and he points says, is this uh, all of your rooms? Yeah, yes, we're in the whole suite there. Um, is any of you, and he looks at the, the, uh, the note, and he says, uh, Tommy Anderson? Tommy, it's for you. Yes, sir. Did you, did you say hi, me? Hi, me. I said Tommy, but like I said, my, my mouth is really dry. I need water. Tommy. Because well, I was going to say, I, I, knew a, I knew a hi, me, Anderson. He had to help hold the letter up like this, so obviously the bellboy can't read that well. Um, he then says, uh, there was a message left for you, sir. Um, a Mr. Lucas Baxter would like to speak with you. Okay, uh, thank you. Is it the time and dates on the letter, I guess? Uh, he then looks at you and says, uh, he'd like to see you as soon as possible. Oh. Uh, he said to meet him at his office just to come right upstairs. And he hands you the piece of paper and it says everything that I just told you. Okay. And he walks away. He doesn't walk away. He rushes to the elevator to go let the front desk know what the situation is. They're going to take down all that damage out of our security deposit. Yeah. You, you, you weren't going to get out of that. Ah, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, what the what? What's going on here? I don't know. I think we need to get to the Arcane Society. Yeah, I think we should go to Arcane Society. Mm, we've still got a few hours. I think we need to find a new hotel. Is the book yeah. doing well? You're, you guys are welcome to stay at my place, but well, I'd feel safer if this book was in the vault instead of out here. I, I don't think we should give it. I guess it's their book anyway. So. Yeah, we've been trying to hold on to it. <clears throat> and, well, I've uh, been waiting for a moment to send it to uh, Massachusetts, oh, yeah. but uh, well, imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine the trip towards uh, towards Massachusetts. You know, it, it traveling there. You know, well, it's just a but, book. Yeah, but see, I mean, we left the book by itself and see see what happened with it. You know, it. it well, I, I doubt know. it has anything at all to do with the book. I don't know. Strange, stranger things have happened. You've been reading the book, haven't you? I've been glancing at it. Not much. It's mm. hard to read. It's in German. It's in an old, uh, like, middle-high German. Yeah, you sh shouldn't, shouldn't read these things. Not without... Uh, oh, please. Not without the rest. Okay. All right. I'm, sending it, I'm sending it to the Arcane Society. Don't worry, it'll get there. 
But we gotta for now we gotta get it at least in the fall. Yeah. What about you, Tommy? Didn't you oh, hang on, didn't you say that uh when you talked to the Arcane Society they sort of uh kind of brushed you off? When you uh, told them about what was going on here? They they told me to to uh you know that mind my handle. place. Hmm. They thanked you guys for letting them know the actual situation because they had no idea that it was this bad. Um, but they said that they would handle it from here. Okay. So they, they didn't sound any different than they usually do then? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. They, the, the, the Arkham Arcane Society probably is dealing with their own stuff and they're just like, oh God, now we got to deal with these fuckers too? Okay. All right. Can't Guy Jules just handle his own shit? The most bizarre thing about that guy is that he's taken whatever tomes they might have and sealed them in cement. That's just bananas, if you ask me. And you could just as easily put them in a big gigantic safe that nobody could lift or take out, and then you could actually study them if you need to. But mm-hmm. well, that's why you can't study them. Do you know they're definitely in the, the concrete? Of course not. I have no idea. The guy could have the guy that, that they could be he could be bluffing. They could be in his apartment at home. Well actually that's not a it's not really a bad idea if you have a group of people who are trying to get it. They might be trying to uh, get something like that and you sort of distract them with something that's supposed to be uh, sealed in concrete and they decide to take the whole slab, and by the time they get home, it's a useless tome. Meanwhile, you have it stashed somewhere else that's safer. It's, it's a lot of trouble to go through when and you don't think that people can uh, find out where that tome actually is. They can hmm. find out that it's in the vault. They could find out that it's in your apartment or your house. Sure. And they right. What the Arcane Society in, in Arkham does is put it into a vault, and you know, have three combination locks on it. Isn't isn't that what they do here? But it's yeah, apparently not because they got bl- broken into. Well, we know that the the Arcane Society original branch was um, an Arkham. This this is like a a newer branch, right? Yeah, it's only been running for about like a decade, maybe like eight years. Well, they're news, so. Um, so everyone seems to be heading but, to the Arcane Society. What about Tommy? Tommy just got this message. Yeah, I'm going to head to go see Mr. Baxter. I'll take a cab if I need to. Okay. Well, we will now jump there then. Um, everyone else is going to the Arcane Society. We'll deal with that. Um, is, it, is, it on the, is it on the way? Because I could drop him off if it's on the way. No, two different parts of town. Then never mind that. I'll meet you guys at the Arcane Society. You want, or are you going to be long? Or uh, no, we're just going to go there and uh, drop it off. Well, we can meet somewhere for dinner. No more Denny's. That place is uh, is off of our list. It's am, nice and reputable. Yeah. It's not at all bad. Well, I'm I'm in a mood for a meatball sub. So. so maestros, little Italy. Yeah. 
Why don't we go for, for, for that? And then suddenly William appears. <laughs> William, where have you been? <laughs> I, I was looking at Bamboni's big magic box, and I fell through a bit in the back, and I couldn't get back out again. So oh, um, that's, that, that, that can stick from time to time. So you've been in the dark dimension, huh? Mm-hmm. They so, trashed our rooms. Yeah, Ken, what they have found is um, the room has been in complete disarray. Um, the book, uh, Unspeakable Cults, has been opened, uh, and uh, it, like the entire room has been trashed. When they looked inside the vents, because there were arrows pointing to the vents, they opened the vents at cockroaches just started swarming them. You Can also you go back into the box. <laughs> you just, also just opened this to that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Creepy crawlies. You also <laughs> missed, um, you also missed Hawk. He opened up his his you know, something was crawling around in his wound, and he opened it up. And what was popping out of the stitches was a cockroach, and he kind of just plopped onto the ground, and scurried away. We tell you this while we're 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 heading to the uh, I'm heading to the Arcane Society. Your friend Tommy is heading to talk to some guy. Yes. Um, for a reminder, um, Lucas Baxter is Baxter Law. He's the guy that handles George Fulton's accounts. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. also one of the partners of the Atlantic Sea Group. And we're going to jump there now. So, Tommy, you head up to his office, third floor, uh, the secretary just kind of lets you walk in. She kind of, she just looks at you. She doesn't say anything. She just lets you walk in. Very dimly lit. No lights are on. And he's got those Venetian blinds. So the light is just kind of pouring in. And he stands there and he's got, um, it looks like uh, some kind of file in his hand. And he says, Mr. Anderson. And he turns, shut the door. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? And he points to a, a seat in front of his desk. Uh, and he, uh, he takes a seat himself and says, uh, I feel like I uh, kind of blew you off. And he smiles and says, uh, you know, uh, if I would like to uh, offer you a job here at the firm once you graduate of course and take the bar that's amazing thank you thank you for that opportunity and uh and he smiles as well of course it means you'd have to go back to school and you'd have to finish studying but once you're finished you can come right back here and uh and start work uh thank you very much i'm, I'm stunned now uh i can draw up a, a contract of course but it means that you'd have to start going back to school right away i would not want uh i wouldn't want you just taking the, the school money and, and using it for something else. I want to make sure that you're, you know, taking your studies seriously. Mm-hmm. What do you say? And he gives you a smile. Uh, yeah, just to be clear, though, is he asking me to, like, leave town right now? Yes. Oh. Well, Mr. Baxter, I mean, this is very sudden. Do I have time to think on this at all? Well, I mean, your uh, and he stands up and he says, uh, "Where? Tell me about your your father. Is he? Uh, is he? Uh, 
a businessman? Is he a shop owner? And he kind of looks at you and says, is he a cop? He is. My, my father's a police officer. And he smiles and nods and says, well, you know, times are tough. Um, and I want to make sure that someone as bright as you who comes to my firm looking for an internship, um, he gets the education that he needs. So you're down here in New York. It's the middle of the, uh, of the second semester. So I'd like to write you a check, cashable to Miskatonic University, so that you can start school again. And he gives you a smile. Yeah, I mean, this is all so sudden. I don't know how to react. I, I'm kind of in the middle of something right this minute, but I don't want to lose this opportunity. And he smiles as, well, it could be more important than your studies. Um, Thomas, I probably know this, but I'm just trying to think, did I, this time of year, April, would that be like during a semester? Yeah, it would be in the middle of the semester. So at some point I made up my mind to abandon that semester that semester or skip it or whatever and then go on this adventure right yeah yeah okay i was just curious if we were, if i was trying to like do all this like during easter break or something like that sure no i think you made a conscious decision to you probably canceled your classes over the phone and said i'll just take a summer course i'll make it up mm -hmm. okay um yes uh Wow, this is this is amazing. Um, yeah, let's let's do it. Any uh, any smiles and says wonderful, and he then opens his drawer, and he takes out a ticket, and he hands it to you, or he holds it out to you, and says, "This is a one-way ticket from New York." to Arkham. You go ahead and you take it and you head back and uh, and you call me when you get back and we'll work something out, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, again, I, I, I can't believe this. Thank you, sir. Give me a fast talk. Uh-oh. No, I'm not even close. I got 85 and I only have base five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, so he then kind of glances at you and he crumples the ticket and he stands up and he walks to the door saying, now, Mr. Anderson, I'm a little bit more, and you hear the lock click direct. I'm a little bit more direct than my associates. You know, I became almost immediately suspicious of you, Mr. Anderson. And he kind of sits down at the desk. He doesn't take a seat, but he's standing in front of you. He says, word spreads quickly, especially when you and your associates are investigating uh, problems out of your pay grade, like City Hall. 
when you first came here. I thought you were maybe a private eye. But then I get a call from George Fulton. And he says that two men, Clifton Hawk and Dexter Fowler, they came to his office. Now, George, he doesn't really mind, we'll say. He's not as mindful as someone like me. And so being the paranoid man that I am, trying to cover his ass and mine, all of our asses, I did a little bit of digging. And he stands up. First, I uncover that uh, Clifton Hawk, Henry Thompson, and Trent Sterling saved one Miss Amelia Court during a shootout with a cult. And your friend Caleb died during that investigation. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. He then grabs uh, the folder off of his desk and opens a drawer. He says, then you and your associates with Hawk and his group, you went on that Rayleigh case uh, where he said, quote, and he opens, the he opens the file. An invisible beast came down and ate a man's arm. And he closes it. Trent Sterling's never seen again. Then, and he pulls out a piece of paper and he hands it to you from the folder. When you take it, it's the property deed for Trent's cabin. He says, now it's got you and Amelia's name on it. My name? He then says, that's right. Two of you bought it together, isn't that right? Uh, out of game, I, I was under the impression that Amelia bought it, but was I, am I wrong? We'll say that Amelia bought it, but you're like a co-signer. You're on there, but she owns it. Okay, all right. Because uh, I wrote it down as such. Okay. I'm playing it as such. Um, and he then says, now, Mr. Anderson, I can play investigator too, and I'm quite good at it. Now, I know that Mr. Hawk is a part of the Arcane Society, as well as Mr. Thompson, and I know that he has gone and seen the New York Arcane Society, as he has mentioned it, to Mr. Fulton. And he leans forward on his desk, and he says, I'm going to tell you this once because I don't think any of the others will. Walk away. And he leans back and he says, walk away like you did with City Hall. The others may worry, but I do. I, the others may not worry, but I do. I see you as a threat. And he then reaches into the drawer and he says, and don't think that we're, we'll play fair. And he then puts something on the desk. It is a folder. It's in that folder. It's like a binder with leather, with a leather cover. It's about this thick. And it's got a gold seal of New York City. And he flips it open 
and it's the ledger. And he says, because we will play dirty. Walker. The same ledger we had, right? Yes. Yeah. Walk away. And he then stands up, walks to the door, clicks the lock, opens it, and he then says, by the way, uh, Amelia Court, when I called her this afternoon, she seems like a nice girl. Hopefully, the two of you haven't gotten too attached to one another. And I hope that she doesn't miss you. And uh, he smiles at that and opens the door. I say good day, sir. And he smiles. Can I do one, one more thing? I don't know if you need me to roll or not. Go ahead. As he was doing all this, I'm looking around his office. Did I happen to see any signs of Freemasons? Yes. On his hand, there is a ring. And it's on, from what Hawk and Fowler said, it's on a completely different finger than Fulton. Would, would I know if it's on the correct finger or you're just saying it's a different finger? We'll say it's a different finger and it's the wrong finger. Okay. All right. Yep, I'm getting out of there as soon as I can. He lets you go and he closes the door very slowly and then locks it. Yes. I, I glance at the secretary and uh, try to straighten my tie, straighten my suit jacket. And, and she then... looks at you with a certain, her face is very washed out. Like she's very, she's very washed out. She's looking at you very wide eyed, very white, very pale in the face. And she's just looking at you, just staring at you. Like, Worry. She probably knows what goes on. Worried about me or? Well, you don't know. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, I straighten myself and then I'm headed to downstairs to the front door and get in a cab. And before I get in the cab, I'm gonna look over all my shoulders and see if anybody's following me. Okay, no one is following you. Okay. And get in the cab and say, Take me to Maestro's. Arcane Society. Oh, you're going to Maestro's. Take me to Maestro's. Um, okay. Uh, because I, I, I really, really want to try and get to the four o'clock meeting tonight. Um, what do you do with the book with the Arcane Society? Do you simply give it to them and they lock it up? Um, oops, I forgot the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get my shot. Okay, they 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 can they can they can have it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Okay, they can have it, but they 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 already owned it, right? I yeah, shame I shame them for the fact that they just left it lying around. 
and when you actually when you say oh you left her laying around like they were like as soon as you uh, t- as soon as you said that she was missing we were going to go to the house and start looking around where they're still going to look around but uh right. they, yeah well go. i got this because it's dangerous and i I don't know. I don't know if I should, I should trust you giving it back to you. I should I should consider sending this to the real arcane society. We'll say that um, just to give you a rundown. Um, Guy doesn't really care because Guy is so paranoid and focused about the cult uh-huh. that he is focusing on that. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I trust you. You can have the book." Kaus is like, give me the book. The book doesn't belong to you. It belongs to us, and we'll figure out how to get it to the Arcane Society. Um, Emma is like, you're with the Arcane Society. You should just take it and give it to him. So you got your three variables. I don't care what you do with it. Give it to me now, or you can take it and give it to them. I'm going to do a power roll. Mm, I failed. All right, I'm giving him the book. All right, Kaus takes it. Kaus takes it, takes it uh, and he says, thank you. So we're going to Maestro's. At Maestro's, uh, Tommy fills you in on the entire spiel that uh, Baxter gave to him. I don't know, I'll give you guys a little bit of time to discuss that. I want to I get to that. I want to start it at the very least. Guys, I... When this whole thing started, I didn't know that we were going to encounter this kind of danger. I mean, it's one thing to encounter strange mirror creatures on the other side of the mirrors and have to deal with that, but human beings are the worst of them all, and uh, it doesn't take any magic or any dark spells or anything to hunt us all down and have us assassinated. Um. I, I like say I I guess my plan really didn't work. What plan? Oh, uh, well, remember they apparently have the book that you know that we the same ledger. This this is an incredibly corrupt uh, city, and at least we don't have the book in our hands anymore. Now you're learning who's at the top. Yeah, like I said, I I guess my I I'm very sorry. I well, the corruption apparently goes all the way to the top. We should uh, we should yeah. assassinate President Roosevelt, <laughs> future president. <laughs> no, uh, uh, you know, at this point, let's see where this goes this morning. Yeah. And uh, I swear to God, I, I'd love to go back to my, my old practice in uh, Massachusetts. How many days have we been working on this case now? Uh, about seven or eight. About a week. Yeah. You're just doing the math? Yeah. <laughs> eight, well, I mean, if we're saying it's eight days. Eight days, 25 $200. That's, that's 200 bucks. We haven't, we haven't been over and picked up our um, our payouts for a couple of days, have we? 
I just want yes, us all. To, I just want us all to survive this. If we are their problem and and they want us out of the way, I'll be back in a moment. I'm sorry. So if they want me out of the way, I mean to make a good enough offer. I'm prepared to get out of the way. What's what's the big what's the big problem? So what's the problem with that? I mean, if if they're going to pay us to get out of the way, no, I don't think they're going to pay us. I think they're going to kill us. <laughs> well, you see, that's what I've never understood about hoods. I mean, that makes no sense at all. They've got money dripping out of their ears. Right? Why don't they just if they if they just took the time to buy a man off, it would save so much of this killing. They they have so much money dripping out of their ears, as you say, that they actually bought a ticket and was going to give it to, to, to Jeff, and they bought it just so they could rip it up in front of him. Now, what kind of money nonsense is that? I, I don't know this guy. Well, I'm just saying, if you guys all want to run, if you want to cut your losses and go back, I, I, I won't stop you and I won't blame you. But uh, at this point, I'm too involved. I've got to see this thing through. Why, why are they going to, I mean, why, why are they going to come after us? Why can't they just like, let us just, Jesus Christ, what a town. Because they not only don't want anybody to find out what they're up to, but they don't want anybody to ever find out what they're up to. And now there's masons involved, and they're the worst. See, the thing is, on on the on the one hand, dear I don't mind. I don't mind telling you all that I'm frightened. I am frightened. Dear Illuminati, send all your letters to Thomas Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm scared too. But you know what? We have to continue this. So, Felix, um, you're a you're a magician. Do you know anything about these secret societies that you can tell us? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a member of a couple of little things just for stage magicians. Um, but I know a, lo- a, lot of, a lot of magicians are masons. Um, I don't know. It, it always just struck me as... Um, some men meeting up and having dinner together and talking well, I, about philosophy. I thought that was what they did, wasn't it? I mean, always thought that it was more subversive when it was in Europe. But uh, uh, some uh, something doesn't seem right. I think they might be posing as Masons. But in fact, they might have their own little uh, clique that they're... Uh, Trying to control everything. Like like the Shriners, you mean? Don't even mention the Shriners. Those those <laughs> those fezes, those red hats, that scares the shit out of me. And they're small little cars. All right. Can I now ask, um, is it safe to assume that you're going to wait until the allotted time and go to Red Hook? Well, no, we're gonna go there first. And then when we're there, we're going to wait for the allotted time. <laughs> you got it. 
All right. So I'm 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 going in tooled up. I've heard about Red Hook, and it's it's uh, it's it's a rough neighborhood. Can I? Sorry to interrupt, but I just I'm curious. Um, I'm going to pull uh, William aside and ask William what uh, what what do you think about this deal that Mr. Baxter made and then rescinded? Do you think we think we're in trouble here? Um, William kind of whispers to you. I, it, I think he would just keep this between us, Tommy. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think he would whisper to you very kind of calmly, but quite assured. We're in danger. If you want you to go, that's fine. But I'm going to stick with it. All right. I, I didn't want to influence your decision either, so I think we're both on the same page. Yeah, uh, yeah. It probably seems a little bit. Um, I would say William would seem a little bit more. Con you know, you would expect him to be kind of, uh, you know, tweaking out a wee bit, and you know, maybe let's go. Mm -hmm. But he seems quite calm about it. Okay. All right. Thanks. I just wanted to clear that. Mm. Yeah. No problem. All right, so you guys are going to go to the location at the docks and wait. So let's do that. All right, it is about, we'll say six or seven or eight. It's evening, it's nighttime now. Um, well, no, wait a second, because we, we had dinner and then we went back to our apartment to go to sleep. It's gotta be later than that. Oh, so what time, okay, how about I ask this? What time do you want to go? Well, I want to be ready. I was thinking about three. Okay. Or that's what That's what I was thinking. I said, uh, you know, let's just, let's, I'll go pick you up at three unless where are you guys staying? Are you staying in my place or where are you guys? Yeah, I, let's say we stayed at, at Dexter's because we were just basically sleeping on the couch. As couches. Okay. So, do you want to say three, three thirty, four? Well, like I say, I want us to be ready to go. But uh, how long will it take us to get there? We're, we're we want to arrive there about uh, twenty minutes before. Yeah, it takes about. So you would wake up at about three thirty and get there by about four. There's no traffic at three o'clock. So it's just like a 25 minute straight through. All right. Does everybody agree? We'll, we'll get there about four. I'm uh, taking uh, Felix's suggestion on packing. Yeah, we should all be packing. Yeah, does everyone have a gun? Yes. Yes, yes I, I, am. I have a Luga now. And a knife and brass knuckles. Okay. I, I do not have a gun. Do you have any kind of weapon? No. Knowledge. Okay. <clears throat> William's got a curved wooden gun. Boomerang shaped. A boomerang shaped. Henry, don't you have a... Isn't that, isn't that cane that you've got there really a sword? No. You're thinking of... Um... Another character. <laughs> Some other guy. <laughs> Could it just be a <laughs> stupid keeping? 
you're thinking of uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dawkins, Dawkins of the uh, Arcade System. Oh, that fuddy-duddy. That's right. Yeah. All right. So you guys arrive at Red Hook. Um, so as you guys are pulling up, what you see is that the address in Red Hook is actually, well, I mean, this is all docks. It's, a, it, it's the port of New York. Um, this address, however, it is a private dock that's for a company called Transcontinental Import-Export. Um, as you guys are kind of driving up the road, you're, you're, you're coming up alongside um, their, their loading area. So basically, there's a, there's, there's, there would be a shipping and receiving plant. There would be a warehouse attached to it, and then there's the, the, the loading yard, and then the dock where a boat comes in, and they unload everything and put it up on the yard. You're driving up alongside the yard and pressed up against all of the, uh, the, the chain link fence and the barbed wire. You see crates. Okay, it's an export company, so they have crates coming in. Uh, everyone but Fowler, because I imagine he's driving, give me a spot hidden. Yes. 96. Fail. Okay. And what did, about you, Tommy? Did, did anybody make it? Yes. I failed. No, I, fa I failed uh, very badly. I got 50 out of 70, yes. Oh, okay. I've got a cockroach uh, I, in my eye. I, <laughs> I failed by three, so what if you passed, Tom? Okay. Hawk, you're the only one. It's nighttime. Everyone's a little tired. Everyone's a little like uppity because they don't know what's going to happen. You're looking out the window alongside the, the chain link fence and you're seeing the crates. And as you kind of drive by, you're going rather, relatively sl slow. You're seeing NYC HOU 3924.665. I, uh, I, I tap Tommy on the, on the shoulder and I say, uh, Look at that, the numbers on the boxes. And when you point it out, you can see that the boxes have stamps, like black stamp labels on them. They're boxes of books, I bet. I just, uh, I just had a thought, gentlemen. What if, uh, what if our, our mysterious uh, tally has sent me a message telling me that there is a box that we need to find on the dock because they're going to be shipping it at 4.27 a.m. And we have to get it out. Maybe Timmy's inside. Maybe she's inside. Uh, I was just going to ask you that, uh, Mr. Hawk. Did, uh, did you tell us anything about the dream? Yes, I told you all about the dream, all the details. So... Can you remind me then why we're at this address? Do we know why we're here? Because we got a dream that told us to come here. Uh, okay, that's what I meant. We we just were given, here's an address, go there at this time. I'm not going to tell you why, not going to tell you anything about it. No, I told you the whole dream. I told yeah. you everything. Everything that Hawk told you was, I'm from the future. I hope remember, you should... I, remember I screamed and jumped out of bed and you all came in? Yeah, but that's uh, like I'm trying to 
that was the dream that I had that I told you all. You screamed because somebody gave you an address? <laughs> In the dream, yeah. Okay. And we think that it's Tally sending us a message. Okay. Uh, guessing, but... Fowler, as you turn around the corner, you can see the parking lot. Um, along with a gate that leads into the loading yard, and then there's the shipping and receiving building. Um, you can see, as I pull it up on my thingy here, um, as you're pulling up, you all see that the chain link fence gate is open, fully open. Um, and despite it being four in the morning, it's about, I'm going to say it's about 4.07. Okay. Despite it being four in the morning, the lights are on inside the pickup office and there are, uh, there are cars still in the parking lot. Okay. So obviously something is, uh, going down here. Um, Maybe we should not go there. We should just try and find that shipping container. Well, I don't even know if that's the case, but... Well, from what you're saying, it kind of... It has the same amount of numbers as the... You know what I mean? Let's just avoid them and go to the shipping container directly or try to find it. Well, how 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 do you know that the... They're up to no good in there. I mean, it, it's, it's the docks. Maybe they're just... This is... Maybe... Just the time they work. There's a lot perfectly innocuous to have. Felix, because you've mentioned that, um, there is no ship in the dock, and you can see that there's no one. There's no one moving stuff into the yard, and there's no vehicles in the yard. So there's nobody working right now. Doesn't oh, appear Lord. like anyone's working. Oh, that puts a rather different complexion on things. If this, that's just, I, I don't want to have any confrontation yet. Fowler, so, where are you parking? Are you parking by the gate? Are you parking in the parking lot? Are you parking on the street? Like, I need to know where you're going to park. Turn the lights off. Yeah, turn the lights off and park. Just you know, Yeah, I'll, I'll just park. Outside. I'll turn my lights off and then I'll park kind of just kind of behind like another building just outside of the okay dock area sure so you're so you're gonna go down like a block and you're gonna watch yeah okay i said we get out let's sneak over there yeah i um i can do this no, seriously, I've got my soft shoes on and everything. Um, right. I, 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 I'd, I'd rather do this than, than running around shooting people. I know that much. I, I reckon I can probably sneak up to that building. I really think I can do that. You said, well, never mind. Never mind. You're going to sneak anyway. You might. Uh, don't need it. I was going to say, if you're not going to, if you're not in the mood to shoot somebody. Lending me your 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 weapon, but uh, you might need it more if you're going. Um, could could I make could I make a luck roll or something like that? To see if I pack like a silencer or something like 
I'm going to say automatic no to that. Aw. Love you, Corey, but no, it's because you won't tell me about second edition, you bastard! <laughs> now that's on the recording. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, uh, so, Felix, you're going to sneak by yourself. Yes. Let's do it. Give me um, a stealth roll. Oh, give it, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Felix. But I suggest to Henry, why don't you see if you can locate a shipping container that's got uh, New York to San Francisco. Yeah, I'll do that. 1991-01. And, you know, knock on it and say, is anybody in there? <laughs> All right. So what is what is everyone doing? I need I need plans of action. So Felix is going to go to the shipping, the packing, the the pickup area. I've um, I've rolled a fourteen on my stealth, which is a, which is a hard. Hawk is going to follow behind him, but not go in. He's just going to kind of be. A, I'm going to try to see if I can overhear what's going on inside. Sure. That's the purpose. Fowler, are you remaining in the car? Are you the uh, getaway vehicle? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to basically be the getaway vehicle. Okay. Uh, Henry, are you going to go and look for crates? Yeah. Or are you going to go through the gate? Yeah. No, I'm going to look through the crates. Okay, I'm, so in, you're gonna... I'm in proper stealth mode. I've got my collar up and my hat down as far as it will go over so, my face. So just to be clear, you're going to walk into the shipping. I'm yard. sneaking. I'm sneaking in. Oh, I'm talking about Henry. So Henry, oh, you're going right. to you're going to you're going to go into the shipping yard through the open gate. I'll wait until um, everybody is moved in position, and while they're doing that, um, they can serve as a distraction. While he's, I he's hanging in the shadows. All right. I just wanted to make sure that he's going through the gate and not through the, 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 the building. Um, what about William and Tommy? What are you guys doing? Well, William wants to get in there, but his stealth is terrible, so he's kind of got to do it in a way that he's able to, rather than chancing a dice roll. So you're gonna hang back, and if something gets something gets shitty, you're gonna you're gonna go in guns blazing. Boom but he wants he, he wants to get yeah he wants to get in, in the action though, and see okay. what's happening. Yeah. What about Tommy? Yeah, I guess the same thing. Kind of hanging back a little bit. Um, I did have a question. If you said that as we were pulling up in the car, we noticed the boxes with the crate numbers. Could I? Is there any way to tell, like, from looking from the fence line? If there's a pattern to the boxes, like would I be able to narrow down the area? That not really. I'm gonna say you have to be in the yard for there to be any sign. Okay, that's fine. So I'm I'm just gonna hang back a little bit till. All right. So I'm gonna say that Tommy, Hawk, and William are gonna kind of stick together as a group. You guys are the are the are the the the, the we're gonna we're 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 not too stealthy, but we got our guns group. Right. Um, Valor's getaway vehicle. So let's do Henry first. Henry, as you approach the gate, I, I, I want to kind of get through this um, as quickly as possible. So no spot hidden. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu, where is it? Um, you see, very first thing, well, I'll, well, I'll do this. Uh, anyways, you step up to the gate, and what you see is that the chain link fence gate that's open to the shipping yard, it had a lock. That lock now is in the middle of 
the the road. It kind of blended in with the concrete, with the asphalt. It's been snapped in half with bolt cutters. All right, so somebody's already in here. All Give right. me a spot hidden now. <clears throat> 46 out of 45, I just missed it. You want to spend one luck point? Yeah, I will. Okie dokie. Um, what you see kind of off, kind of just just behind a, the, uh, a, a series of crates. Um, you couldn't see it from the road, but kind of here you can kind of spot them. You see two flying squirrel motorcycles. And you then see, as you're kind of looking at that, you see a flashlight kind of basking over uh, a wall of crates and two men step out into the shipping yard and they are looking directly at the gate. Um, they don't see you, but they're kind of looking around. I'm going to try to find a place to hide and keep my, my ears perked up. All right, Felix, you passed your, your stealth, so you are able to get inside undetected. What, what you find inside, uh, you kind of step inside and you go underneath the counter. Uh, what you hear is a man say, don't move. And when you kind of peek up, you see that there are three men they hold shotguns. They've got masks over their faces. Uh, kneeling on the ground in front of them, there is about four men. There's, there's, about, five, there's about five people sitting on their knees, zip, hands zip-tied behind their backs, knees zip-tied together, heads facing down. One of the goons, he takes a shotgun barrel, props it up against his head. Um, it, this looks like a robbery. It looks like a holdup. Okay, I'm going to um and and Hawk, Tommy and William heard the don't move. They also hear you all hear um if you move I'm going to blast your head off. Okay, I'm going to tuck myself in uh behind the counter. Okay. Um and get out my gun. But my my other hand I'm still trying to hold my um, collar in front of my face as much as possible. Okay. So I'm still aware of the fact that I'm sneaking about, but I've, I've got the gun out as well. Um, and I'm going to, um, for the time being, I'm just going to try and, and listen. Is it just Is it just threatening or are they asking about anything? They're just threatening. It's, you know, it sounds like they're guarding. From, from our location, uh -huh. do we know that they're not saying that to Felix? Yeah, I'm going to say that like you're just beneath a window and you want to look inside and you can see what's happening. Okay. Um, you're going to also see that there are papers kind of thrown everywhere, like they were looking for something. So what does everyone want to do? Hmm. Well, I, I don't really want to risk going for the door again. Um, and I am basically there uh, just waiting, um, you know, looking around, making sure there's no other kind of, you know, people you, showing up. 
feelings. Yes. You then uh, you hear very distinctly. So do so do the goons. Because um, the pickup office attaches to a warehouse, and the warehouse is pitch black. It's dark. Um, you hear, and you know it's coming from the warehouse because it echoes out. You hear, hey. And the goons turn, and one turns and hits him. And I said, he says, I thought there was only going to be five of them. Uh, and they move to the door to enter into the warehouse. One stays behind and he's looking at the group, but he's kind of looking inside and then looking back at the group intermittently. And you can hear them shouting like, there's no one in here. It's completely, it's, it, there can't be anyone in here. This is the only entrance. William looks at Tommy and holds a boomerang up with a kind of question in his face. I, I'm, I'm going to actively brace myself for something to happen. Okay. Just, I'm, I'm expecting something to happen at this moment. Nothing seems to happen. They, they can, you can hear them say, there's no one in here. What do you, what do you roll for an anticlimax? Maybe a will is save? A, is, is there a disappointment? I mean, kind of out of game for a second. So if, if we just sit and watch these guys, are they going to kill the, the guys anyway? Um, Who knows? Or, you know, is this, are we going to need to act here? Dispose well, of them? Those two, those two guys have <clears throat> gone off. And um, so at the moment, my concern from, from where I am is that if something happens to them, this other guy might panic and start shooting the hostages. Yeah. Um, how close? How close? Think it's a raid. So I'm I'm going to stay stay here. If that guy, I mean, I can't save everyone, but if that the guy in front of me does start shooting the hostages, I'm coming over that counter. Firing. Right. Right. Otherwise, they're looking for something, and then they're going to leave. And they're probably just going to leave these guys tied up. Yeah. Um, why don't we let them? Rather than risk everybody dying in a, in a gun, gun fight. Well, or we could lay a trap for them. We could uh, take all the air out of their tires. And then once they jump in their car, we could we could shoot them all. They won't be expecting that. They'll be trapped in their cars. We could we could, but but in game, um, I'm uh, I'm kind of pinned down really. If I if I go for the door, if we I, all are. If any of us make a move, yeah, if I fail if I fail my stealth roll getting out there, then. It's going to tip them off, and they might start shooting hostages. So, what is Henry doing? Henry, uh, you're not you're not at the pickup office, but it's very it's very clearly a robbery. Yeah, there's a, there's... The question is: uh, Is their their attention still focused forward and not 
nearly on me. They're looking around. Well, they're kind of looking in that area. It, it seems like they're they're keeping watch over the gate. Um, is there anything like mm, a bottle or a brick or something like that lying about? It's Red Hook, so I'll give you a I'll give you a luck roll. Forty-five out of uh, forty-nine. So yeah, there is a bottle. So I'll pick the bottle up and I will chuck it towards you know far away from me, but like across the 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 area to get their attention over there. Okay, um, I'm not gonna make you do a throw roll. Um, Throw it, and let's see. Question is, if um, if they fall for that, they might not fall for that. They then go. Uh, they hear it. It, it, sm- it shatters. One points in the direction, and he smacks the other one. And you can hear them kind of talking to one another, and they begin kind of walking over into that sea of crates. So there okay. is an opening. All right, so then that's when I'll, like, when they move out out of that way, I'll move up. Okay. Um, still actively looking for the, this creep um, with a series of numbers that we're looking for. Should I do a spot hidden? Um, yes. Nope. <laughs> All right. No, well, then anyway. I'm going to... Go back to. I'm gonna go back to Felix. So Felix, you're kind of like sticking your eyes up above the countertop to kind of get, get a look around. Um, you can hear the guys in the warehouse are walking around, uh, and they're just saying, "There's no one in here." The guy in the picking office then says, "Well, are you?" His neck then snaps. His head literally twirls. And he just crumples to the ground. Okay. And you, and you, and <laughs> is there is there any re, is there any reaction um, from the the warehouse that would indicate me to to believe that the uh, the other two have have witnessed this as well? There, well, he cut off mid sentence, so they're just like Greg. Greg. <laughs> Peter, Bobby, is it you? <laughs> I was like, Greg, are you okay? And you can see the look on the look on the people in the pickup office face is like horrified. They're like, what now, just happened? I'm in, I'm in two minds now. Should I shout out, yeah, I'm okay? In a rough approximation of the guy's voice. That'll be a disguise roll. Um... Or, uh, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. When else can you use your disguise role? <clears throat> yeah, this is and a bit of my ventriloquism act as well. Yeah, do uh, a uh, ventriloquism act would be more like it. <clears throat> I've heard him speak. I can do this. Is, this is what I do. It's part of my act. I'm a mimic. I can do this. Okay. 44 out of uh, 
50. Yeah, you say it so quick and so like blended in on itself that it could pass. But the people in the in the, the office that are kneeling down, they kind of look over to the countertop. And so you, you've given yourself away to them, but they're not saying anything. Okay. Um, there's nobody in this office except for the tied up people. Yes, at this point, it's just the tied up people. I'm going to uh, stick my head out where I can see them mm -hmm. and give them a... I think maybe we should be giving them a... Yeah, maybe. Well, they, they can't move. They've been they zip tied. All yeah, right, knee, all right. Their knees and their arms. But uh, many of them, about four of them, four of them, they, they look at you. Um, they look like... They, uh, two of them look like yard people. Two of them look like logistics people. One of them, however, he's wearing like all black and he's like this. And he looks up at Hawk and he just kind of gives a smirk. Oh, the the the, the, the other people look horrified. This guy looked a little horrified, and then he looked surprised, and then he gave a smirk. The, the chap who's dressed all in black. Um, I'm I'm just gonna point to my luger and point it in fact at him. Okay. And he sees that luger, and he just he, he turns to you, and he sees it, and just you know his eyes widen. He doesn't want to get shot. <laughs> he thought you were the good guys. So, wait a second. You said there's only one way uh, into the warehouse, and that's through this room? Yes. The other way would be the door, like the opening bay door, and that's closed. All right. Um, I'm going to swiftly move uh, to where the four people are, and I am going to close the door to the warehouse and lock it. Okay. And then, uh, then use my knife to clip their their ties, and say, "Get out! Get out!" Well, if if uh, if that happens, then as soon as you move past me, I'm I'm going to start covering the warehouse door. All right. But I'll I'll only start when I'm aware of what coming past me. So you undo everybody, uh, and they rush out. Uh, you then hear the, the guys inside because you, you close the door and the, you don't have the key to lock it so you, all you have to do is just like shove something in the door so they can't pull it, it doesn't open. have a, like a, this kind of a lock no it's like a, it's like a get a shove a key in and just t twist it twice um, but there's, a, there's like a bar or like a broom handle or something that you can just okay. shove in there because it opens inward so they now can't get it open um but you've closed it, and you can kind of hear the muffled, like, well, well, the door just closed. Like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, Greg? <laughs> Greg, answer us. Uh, but everyone is kind of cleared out. Henry. Can I, can I, try, can I try the ventriloquism again? <laughs> uh, we'll jump to Henry. It's getting a little late, and we're, gonna about to, we're about to get into some heavy shit here. Don't, don't come in. We're indecent. <laughs> Let's just, I'll be out in a minute. Um, okay. Let me see. Henry, as you are walking through the rows, you're trying to find this stuff, you can see, first of all, that inbound stuff, things that are coming to New York uh, on shipping containers, the 
addresses are flipped. So inbound, coming to New York means NYC, whatever, and then the number. Outbound is the city that's going to dash NYC. So you have now gathered whatever this number is, whatever's in this crate, it's coming to New York. Right. As you're looking around, you hear a rumble and then a screech and a truck just basically fishtails right into your row and begins barreling down towards you towards the exit. Oh boy. Now do I have to do a dodge? Um, no. You were, getting out of the way of this truck is not difficult, but give me a spot hidden. Oh boy, I've been rolling like shite today, so let's see. Oh, I made that one. Just barely, though. Okay. Um, bup, 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 bup. So as the car drives by, you can see that there's a driver, a passenger. It's a hooded, it's a covered truck. Um, it drives by. In the back of the car, you see that there are lots of different crates. And there are two guys inside, and they hold machine guns. And they see you, and they point, and they talk, but then the car barrels around the corner towards the gate. What you saw in the spot hidden was there was a logo on the truck. Berman Canneries. With that may be familiar to me for any reason it may be familiar to hawk and dexter okay i'll keep that in mind but the car has is the truck is now barreling towards the exit you can hear you can hear whoever's in the truck shouting come on come on uh, and you would all hear this uh uh, oh my God, Henry! When you look down that row that came that they came down, you can see that there is one crate that's just, just sitting in the middle of the row. It's been completely pried open, and it has NYC one nine nine one. It has the whole line. The top has been pried off. So they got they got it. They got it, but they have not gotten away. Next time, we're going to start a chase. No. A chase through the city with shooty, shooty, bang, bang. Oh, does, any, does, anyone, does anyone actually genuinely understand the chase rules? That is going to be completely <laughs> thrown out the window. We're playing it all by ear. Fuck that noise. Pathfinders. I'm not driving this time. Last time that happened, we fell off a bridge. I'm not going to do that again. All right. Our players included Mick Swan, Jeff Wilkins, Corey Heistead, Ken Trench, Wayne Worthy, and myself with Thomas McKean as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects in, in post... Oh my God. I can't read. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account, just a dollar to a month, 
helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We like reading them. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Thank you.